Hey, video game fans, I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is Memory Card. Hey, it looks like we, um, we made it through another season. Yeah, and uh, here in a week or so at the start of August, we're going to be celebrating Memory Card's one-year anniversary. Whoa! <laughs> Feels like we've been doing it for longer than that. How many episodes are we up to now? Uh, this is our 30th, I believe, if you count the bonus episodes that we throw in there at the end every now and then. I think there's a lot more to still cover. I, I think we have to keep going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's surprising. You'd think we would have run out of content by now, but just video game history just never ends. And we don't normally do this in the intro, but I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters. You guys are all awesome. We appreciate you helping the show with your monthly donations, especially in these weird times. Yeah, thank you. Are you ready to get episode 30 rolling? Of course. Jamatar, can you get the intro music going? You got it. Wait, has he, has he been on... Has he been on this call this whole time? Yeah, of course. He's on every call. Who do you think starts the music every episode? I just thought that, you know, we just played it. Nah, I'm always here. Let's do this. All right. For the final episode do, 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 do. <laughs> is, that, is that a drum roll i don't know yeah. what that was <laughs> we are taking things back to the blips which uh we haven't really done this season uh yeah at the beginning we did the the different food mascots but that wasn't really random stories so all the stories today have no connection really at least mine don't yeah mine mine do not and push you're going to start us off so what's our what's our first topic so the first game that I want to introduce today is uh, actually a series of games, and it's called Bishibashi Champ. Bishibashi Champ. Bishibashi Champ. Have you ever heard of it? No, I have not. So it's actually a series of arcade games that, that are produced by Konami, and the first one was actually released in 1996. Hmm. And since then, there actually have been 16 entries in the series. Wow, and I've never heard of it? That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this a Japan-only franchise? No, actually, no. It, it, it's actually been localized in English hmm. and even ported to the PlayStation. So Bishibashi in English actually means uh, without holding anything back or like relentlessly. So it's like the relentless champ. And this arcade game, it, it's, it's probably better to play as an arcade game. Like they, they ported it to PlayStation, but it's not as good. Uh, let me explain. So it actually has three huge buttons usually. Like a green, huge green button, huge uh, yellow button, and huge red button. And you have to time it or you have to, um, you know, mash the button. Is there a control stick at all? It, only, in, only in one version. Okay. Yeah, so they, you have like the huge, huge buttons and you have to either mash them, time them. And it's this bunch of mini games. It's probably best described as an arcade version of WarioWare. For example, you have a game where you have to rotate a Lazy Susan table. Uh, in order to move the food closer to a panda so you can eat it. <laughs> and all these games, they last like 30 seconds. And um, as long as you achieve the top rank within the, um, the four players, then you are like moved on to the next round. Okay. And so it's like a championship game. And the newer versions, um, they actually have online play that you can do on, uh, in the arcade. So did this come out before WarioWare? Yeah, it came out before WarioWare. And was it, I mean, have the people who created WarioWare ever said that it was an inspiration? As far as I'm aware, no. Hmm. 
like WarioWare was mainly inspired by the 64DD minigames. Right. I didn't know that maybe those were inspired by this. Yeah, it's 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 quite possible, but I'm not I'm not exactly sure about that. But as I said, there's been over 16 entries in the series and they had versions which kind of mixed things up. Like, for example, they had one with a um, two joysticks, another one with a steering wheel, one with a dance pad, and uh, probably one of the newer ones has a, a spinning button. Hmm. Wait, a spinning button? Yeah, like a, a, a button that you can, like, spin. Oh, okay. I was like, isn't that just a steering wheel? But I get what you're saying. It's like a knob, almost. Yeah, it's like a knob. Okay. And the game is like has, like, over-the-top announcements before every game. <laughs> Which just make it really amazing. And the game is really weird. There's another one where you have to like fight a barrage of enemies coming from both sides. And then like the middle button will like allow you to like kind of dodge the the knife that's being thrown and it will like hit the other enemy. Now, in the WarioWare games, usually it doesn't give you much time to react. Like, it, you know, it kind of just tells you what to do and then you're like, oh, I got to do it. Does it tell you ahead of time like what controls are going to be? Yeah, this one, this one actually. It tells you the name of the of the game, mm-hmm. and then it will actually show you a demo on how oh, to complete okay. it. So it's kind of like the Mario Party mini games in the newest one, where it's like, "Hey, you want want to want to give it a try?" Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit more like Mario Party. Yeah. So this is an arcade game. If you like, you know, put in so much money and start playing, at what point do you get booted? Do they do they let you play a certain number of games if you're doing well, or? It depends on the version, but if you're playing the main game. You're like I said, you're going through this champ- championship bracket. If you're able to play all the levels, you can play all the way until the end, which is about like I think like eight stages or so. But if you want to just play certain mini games, then you can pick like five. Oh, so it's kind of like a selection thing. Yeah, and um, if you do the the actual like tournament, it gets harder, progressively harder. So the first couple rounds are pretty easy. Hmm. Um, I actually played this with a couple of friends um before the whole COVID nineteen thing started. We got like maybe up until the semifinals and it just got really hard now are you swapping are you swapping out turns or either like no no we're we're on a team oh okay oh see i thought there was like four machines you were going against each other so um in some versions you can do cooperative some of them are more competitive interesting in japan they have a lot of arcade games they have um, a special card which will save your data so you can like save your team name you can save your your player icon to that card and then that way the next time you play Bishibashi, you can um, load that data right in. Well, that's convenient. Yeah. Those cards are usually like, I think like 500 yen, which is about like $5. Yeah, it's not too bad. So you said that this actually also came to America? Uh, no, it actually came out in Europe. Oh, okay. They released Bishibashi Special in um, 1998 in Japan. And that, in- that includes mini games from Bishibashi Champ, Super Bishibashi Champ, and Handle Champ, which is that steering wheel uh, version that i mentioned earlier and then um bishibashi special mm. 2 was released in 1999 in japan and that includes hyper bishibashi champ and gachaga champ but then the european version is called bishibashi special and it's bishibashi special 1 and 2 <laughs> on the disc i'm kind of surprised they didn't change the name to something a little more like understandable in the english language yeah, I think um, they kind of kept it kind of like the same with uh, Katamari Damashi, uh, just because it's kind of like wacky Japan, like <laughs> like that's part of the selling point. Yeah. It's like, oh, quirky Japan. So it never actually came to, un- to the United States, though. As far as I'm aware, no. 
and it's always just been an arcade game. It's never been a console or a handheld type thing. Oh, no, I, like I mentioned before, it was released on the PlayStation. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and, and it came out on the um, iOS as well. And did you mention this? Did, it, did the PlayStation version come with big old buttons, or did you just use the controller? You just use the controller, so um, like each button was like a certain, like they would match up, like X is like the blue button. Oh, okay. Just seems like yeah. something they so would do is like, you know, special controller pack that had <laughs> weird buttons. Yeah. I think, I think um, because the game had like such a uphill battle for um, Europe, European markets that they were just like, okay, we're just going to release this game and try to make our money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you but it's know. just speculation on my part. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully at some point we'll get some kind of Bishibashi uh, arcade system here. It's just, it's such a fun name to say Bishibashi. It is. <laughs> it almost it just it almost sounds like it's a like a like a mean name that you're calling someone yeah you're oh you're such a bishibashi get out of here with that bishibashi <laughs> <laughs> so that's bishibashi then huh yeah okay you ready for my first one yep i'm not gonna lie i've kind of been like dying to tell you about this and to tweet about it yeah i don't know anything about what you're talking about today. <laughs> that's good because this game is is bananas and i feel like maybe i did mention it to you earlier but you've probably forgotten yeah and uh it kind of ties in with all of the games we started the season with which are the weird questionable uh food tie-in games kfc and cheetos and stuff mm -hmm. so this is a game it's called darkened sky okay and that's s-k-y-e like old European. Well, like you'll see. Old it, there's there's okay. a reason why it's called that. But I mean, just based on that and knowing that there is a weird brand tie-in, do you have any guesses as to what it might be? Darkened Sky. Um, brand tie-in. No, I actually I have no idea. I was gonna say there's no there's no hint in there. Yeah. It's not like oh it's an it's an airplane brand you know or anything like yeah. that because of the sky. No, okay. So Darkened Sky is or was. A third-person action-adventure. It had these fantasy elements. There's, like, demons and, you know, like this whole, like, land of castles and uh, fairies. And you're this girl whose name is Sky, S-K-Y-E. That's why it's called Darkened Sky. Yeah, it seems like a 13-year-old fanfiction. Uh, yes. Yeah, it, it basically uh, becomes that. And uh, it came out for Windows, uh, the PC, and the Nintendo GameCube in 2002 oh. uh, in North America. And then it came out in Europe in 2003. So this is a game you might have actually seen. Okay. And uh, I guess for uh, like the second half of its life, like shelf life, it was packaged with Outlaw Golf. So if you were, if you were on the hunt for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what happened was um, this was published by Simon & Schuster Interactive. And Simon & Schuster are like a publishing company. Like they're mostly known for books. Okay. But the interactive branch of that company wanted to develop a game based on M&Ms because they thought they were like really recognizable, you know, characters like. Yeah, the red and yellow guy. Yeah. And while they were negotiating with uh, Mars uh, Candy Company, Mars was like, you know, we'll give you the rights to M&Ms if you want to make some games. Do you also want the rights to Skittles? And they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll take the rights to Skittles. We can probably put that in something somewhere. Yeah. And so they ended up making the M&M games. They sold like pretty well, like surprisingly well, I guess. And they were like, hey, we need to develop a Skittles game. We got to get on this uh, brand money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that is what became Darkened Sky, which is a really weird, you know, like when you think like a Skittles game, you think like, oh, it's going to be a Skittle with legs. It's basically going to be Cool Spot, right? Like running around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, chasing rain rainbows and things they had that commercial campaign where they had like the 
like the Skittles would come raining down from a rainbow. So is it something like that? Yeah, no, it's not. That's the thing. It's like, so what happened was they got this producer, Elizabeth Braswell or Braswell, and they told her like, hey, we need you to create this Skittles game. And she was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm like a professional video game producer. Like, Why would I do that? So she refused to do it. But then eventually she was like, fine, I'll do it. Yeah. But you have to let me like take it in whatever weird direction I want with it. <laughs> and she uh, was like a big time into like the fantasy, you know, side of things. So originally it was called Skittles, colon, Darkened Sky. But then eventually they kind of uh, pulled the, the Skittles part from the start. Mm. So where the Skittles actually come into play is you use them as like magical runes mm -hmm. for all of your spells. So it's like, oh, you want to like use special laser okay. out of your staff? You have to yeah, have yeah, a blue Skittle and a yellow Skittle. And they have like cooldown periods. And you have to like swap them around, which is kind of a pain. Like you have to go in and be like, move this Skittle over here, mm. move this one here. Is this is the cooldown period just for like diabetes, like to prevent like <laughs> overload <laughs> no, of sugar? I don't I don't think so. No, it's all it has to do with all the magical power that is within Skittles. <laughs> so yeah, here's a quote that I got from an interview that she gave. She said, What I finally came up with was to do a game based on the world of ads. I used it as a chance to do the game I've always wanted to do and never been able to, which is a third-person action-adventure fantasy with humor and Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, the Skittles might have been like a, a second... Uh, kind of thrown in there, yeah. Like an afterthought. <laughs> yeah, so the Skittles are used as like mana. They don't really show up anywhere else. So what happened was, at the end of the game's development, Simon and Schuster came in and were like, show us what you got, you know, we've been looking at your game. And when they looked into it, they were like, you know, maybe we don't need the Skittles in here. And they were like, no, <laughs> you made us put the Skittles in. The Skittles are staying. Yeah. So there's no mention of Skittles on the box art. There's no mention of Skittles on the back anywhere, except for like in the game, it pops up and it's like, oh, yeah. And also yeah. like Skittles are the your power source. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and the other thing that I really loved was when they sent it into Mars, like the candy company. They said, is everything cool here? You know, are you okay with the script and the violence and everything else? Yeah. And they were like, okay, a couple of things. You got to get rid of this scene. There's some light swearing. You got to get rid of that. And they were also like, and this game cannot have any snakes in it. <laughs> <laughs> and Yeah, Skittles and snakes never, <laughs> never mix. Yeah. Apparently, Indiana Jones is, runs that company, as many people know. <laughs> and he hates snakes. <laughs> But they like fired back and were like, can we have snake like magical creatures? And they were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Just no actual snakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just don't want to be associated with snakes. Yeah, it's just the best, weirdest detail that I found on that. But yeah, I watched a little bit of footage of the game and it kind of mm -hmm. has this like they're trying to like make references and like break the fourth yeah. wall. She's like talking to this demon. And he's like, you can't do this puzzle yet. And she's like, why not? He's like, I read it in the script. He's like, oh, I mean, I had a mystical vision about it. You know, it's like, it's really goofy. <laughs> the, the last interesting thing that I found was that the uh, producer, Elizabeth um, Broswell, is now like an accomplished author. Like she's written like tons of popular like young adult uh, books. And even one of her books, uh, The Nine Lives of Chloe King, was turned into a TV show in 2011. So... Who knows? Maybe we'll get the Darkened Sky, you know, TV show or novelization if uh, she ever decides to jump back in that boat. <laughs> yeah. So that's the story of uh, Darkened Sky. Now, now you know, and you can get on eBay like I did to see how much it costs for a, for a copy. <laughs> oh, I'd imagine like it's insane. 
No, it's not. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, no, it's only like I don't know, twenty bucks maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think a lot of people know about it or remember it, and those who do probably just think it was like some kind of fever dream. So yeah. <laughs> Hey listeners, we're putting this episode on pause for a moment to talk about supporting Memory Card via Patreon. If you're hearing this, you're probably not one of our patrons. How do we know? It's because all patrons enjoy ad-free episodes. Other perks include shoutouts, early access to episodes and bonus content, and even the chance to come on the show. If you enjoy Memory Card, we hope you consider pledging even a dollar or two, or three, or four, you know, just, just even a little bit helps. For more information, head to patreon.com slash memcard. And now, back to the show. Where'd I put that controller? Okay, hit me with your second one, Push. We're going from one food topic to another food topic. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, do you know Yoshi's Cookie? Uh, yeah, I know of it. Yoshi's Cookie is that puzzle game where you can try to match up the, the cookies, and then it's like, kind of like Tetris, right? Yeah, a little bit. Like, things drop down and you have to make sure they line up. Yeah. So it actually began development as an arcade game called Herumeteka, which was being produced by this company called Home Data. And it's one of the last games that they released as Home Data. They would eventually transition to the, um, change their name to Magical Company. Huh. Basically, they, they've done a lot of ports. They've done a lot of Mahjong games and stuff like that. Nothing that really sticks out. But, so they had this arcade game, Herumeteka which um, they sold to Nintendo, and Nintendo rebranded it as uh, Yoshi's Cookie. Oh, I see. So they basically were like, here's our awesome idea, and Nintendo was like, hey, we're going to put our own dinosaur spin on this. (laughs) They were like, you know what would help this game sell even more? (laughs) Mario characters. Our amazing characters that everyone loves. Yeah, that's just kind of like a little bit of background of of Yoshi's Cookie, but what I'm mainly going to talk about is a weird spinoff that you might not have heard of. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a version of, of Yoshi's Cookies that's extremely limited edition. It only had uh, 500 copies. Whoa. Yeah. It's one of the rarest uh, Super Famicom games. You talking about Mike Tyson's Yoshi's Cookie? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> the super rare punch-out game where you just beat up Yoshi? Yeah, it's, it's gold cart. <laughs> oh my gosh, so rare. This version is actually called Yoshi no Cookie Kurupan Oven de Cookie. And it is a Japan-only version of it, which was released exclusively for the Super Famicom. It was released in 1994 to promote Human Electronics' uh, new Kurupan oven. Hmm. So it, it's a tie-in to this, to this actual like microwave oven. Oh, so you can make real cookies, and then you could do puzzles with cookies. Yeah, in the game, it teaches you how to bake cookies. Really? Yeah, it's like an RPG. Uh, it looks like an RPG where you're like Yoshi, and you're like over this hub world, and it, it looks like a standard RPG town. And you're um, going through the map and you're like going through different houses and Yoshi will teach you different recipes. Wait, is this is this the full game? Yeah, this is the actual game. So there is no puzzle element to it at all or this is a bonus? Oh, no, you can still play. You can still play Yoshi's Cookie. That's but that's a bonus. The main um, part of this game is actually learning recipes and um, how to bake real versions of the cookies that are featured in Yoshi's Cookie. That's amazing. So the game will teach you how to bake the checkerboard cookie, the heart cookie, or the flower cookie. So it's like Yoshi's real cookie. Yeah, and like there's actually different um, mini games where like you take out like the the tools and stuff like that, the kitchen where you have to find them. 
uh, where you like get quizzed on like certain like, oh, how many grams of sugar do we need in, in this recipe kind of thing. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, but it's, it's basically an adventure mode with Yoshi's Cookie. <laughs> how much do these bad boys go for these days? A lot of money. <laughs> I, I didn't look into it, but um, they go for quite a bit. And it's, it's one of the rarest Super Final Con games ever. Oh. Because there's only 500 made. And it's a Nintendo game, so that yeah. kind of Jeez. increases the price. I can't believe they wouldn't like extend that out further if they made a whole game to go along with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like a lot of work to just give out to 500 people. Yeah, and they, and they did like full like full on sprite work for like the um the different ovens and stuff like that and like, all the cooking materials. Wow. No, I had no idea about that game. I love I love that there's so like Mario is one of the most well-known, you know, gaming icons of all time. He probably is the most well-known. And yet, there's all these really weird games like when we talked about Mario Family, the sewing the sewing machine game. Mhm. He shows up everywhere. Yeah. Even in places that you had no idea. The game was developed by Home Data, which I mentioned earlier, which made the original arcade game, and also Tose. Uh, do other, I don't know if you mentioned this, but do other Mario characters show up to like eat cookies or? As far as I'm aware, no. Yoshi's keeping all the cookies for himself. Smart dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You ready for my, for my second blip here? Yep. Okay. Now, if you're listening to this, I just want to say I had no idea that Push was doing a game about Yoshi because my next one is kind of about Yoshi too. <laughs> uh, that was not planned, but uh, we're going to talk about the game Croc for the PlayStation. Okay. And it actually started out as a Yoshi game. Oh, yeah, I do know about this. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there in a second. I want to give a little bit of background. So. The company that proposed this game was uh, Argonaut Software, yep. and it was made by this guy whose name was Jez San. And so if you take his first initial and his last name, San, J-San, mm -hmm. so J-San and the Argonauts is a famous like Greek mythology story. Mm -hmm. So that's why the company is called Argonaut Software. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they made this uh, prototype game for Star Fox, uh, you know, before it was Star Fox. They called it the NES Glider, and they yeah. uh, showed it to Nintendo, and they were like, whoa, so great, you know, we're going to use this uh, to make a, a new game, and it ended up being Star Fox, so that's how they kind of got their in with Nintendo, and that's, then they uh, said... Giles, Dylan, Cuthbert came. Yeah, exactly. And then they said, hey, we can make this chip for the games, to, you, know, you know, that's basically what the Star Fox was, it was the FX chip, Yeah, and that was all Argonaut software, they were the ones... And uh, originally, the FX chip was called the Mathematical Argonaut Rotation IO, or Mario. And uh, that's why on the chip inside the games, it's printed on the chip as Mario. That's why it's called that. They changed it to the Super FX chip. It was used in like all sorts of games. Um, I think like Donkey Kong Country 2 used it. And uh, what's that, that one racing game that everyone loves? Oh, Super R uh, FX? RC. Yeah, Super RC FX or something like that. Yeah, so they had this great relationship with nintendo coming out of the super nintendo era and they they wanted to make a game for the n64 which you know they knew was coming up nintendo had given them dev kits and all that good stuff so they decided that they were going to make a platform game that was also a racing game so the game was called yoshi racing pretty straightforward and they kind of pitched it as a hybrid 
of Super Mario World and Super Mario Kart. No one's ever seen this outside of, you know, those few people at Nintendo and the people at Argonaut Software, so no one really knows what it's like. But I don't you know, I thought maybe it was like that canceled Donkey Kong racing game where you had to like run up and jump on, you know, wild animals, ride them, but maybe with Yoshi. Oh yeah. Or maybe you're just Yoshi's, you know, racing each other. Like at the start of Super Smash Brothers Melee, the opening where they're all like going over the hills. Yeah, stampede. Yeah, exactly. So I mean it could have been pretty cool. Even though when they brought it in, um Shigeru Miyamoto was like, Whoa, like this is, you know, fascinating and it's really cool what you've done here. Nintendo was just like, you know what? No, like we got this. We don't need any help on the outside for our early Nintendo 64 games. Yeah, I think that's when Nintendo started like being more restrictive on their licensing. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jez Sand, the, the founder of the company, said that it would have been the world's first 3D platforming game. And he also said that he felt that they took some of his ideas from this game and put them into Super Mario 64. Ah. But later in some other interviews, he was like, you know what? Maybe it was just a coincidence that they were similar. Nintendo paid him to like walk back those things. <laughs> yeah. They're like, listen, you know what really happened. And it wasn't that. If you mess with Super <laughs> Mario 64, you're going to get the fishies. You get your, find that your legs broke in the morning. <laughs> so what happened was Nintendo turned them down. Argonaut software is like, we're sad, you know. What do we do now? Yeah, exactly. And Nintendo kind of threw them to the wolves at that point like they really didn't oh, work yeah. with them much after that i think there were some games that came out for the nintendo 64 like buck bumble or you know some other classics so argonaut is is looking for someone to take this new ip because they can't use yoshi anymore yeah so they designed a new character who looked kind of like yoshi mm -hmm. that character was designed by simon keating as his first ever video game project and that became croc who if you've ever seen him is a crocodile that kind of looks like yoshi but he has a, a like a snaggle tooth in the front. Yeah, they kind of like shopped that around and it was bought by Fox um, Interactive, who had um, worked with them on another game, Alien Resurrection. And uh, then by 1997, yeah. the game was ready and it uh, came out for the PlayStation, the Sega Saturn. And I think it also launched for uh, Microsoft Windows. There was no racing involved. You know, if you've ever played Croc, it's just kind of a basic three platformer. You collect a lot of things. Um, it was Croc Legend of the Gobos. Gobos? And uh, they're basically like a fuzzy race that you had to save because they felt like the whole princess thing was kind of... Kind of overdone. Yeah. So they're like, we're going to have them save uh, all these little cuties instead of uh, one big cutie. <laughs> I feel like, you know, there's a lot of cut content out there and people are always looking for like beta stuff. And I would, I would love to see uh, the Yoshi Racing Project yeah, that original version. Yeah, if someone could like dig it up, maybe maybe someday someone will stumble upon it. Uh, upload it to the internet. And they can transform it into VR and we can just ride Yoshi. Woo! Woo! Through the through the hills of the Mushroom Kingdom. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted, as you know, by the talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter at MemCardShow or on our website, MemoryCardShow.com. 
If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, including Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Tyler Davis, Courtney Cotton, Harrison, and Jose Acosta. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. We plan to be back in a few months with a new season, chock full of gaming history goodness that you crave. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you enjoy the show. Goodbye for now. See ya.